0: Here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Darmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor.
1: It's so nice to have you back where you belong, right here on the Dharmic Evolution. Welcome back. I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, before we get into it, don't forget, if you have not, Subscribe to this show. You need to do that. Don't you like waking up Friday mornings and boom, the Dharmic Evolution is right in your phone for the latest and greatest of indie music around the world and authors, speakers, and thought leaders. Very easy way to do this. Go over to DharmicEvolution.com And just click on whatever you like. If you like Spotify or Pandora, or perhaps you're a Stitcher guy or an Overcast girl, we've got them there for your taking. So go ahead and sign up. Hey, we got a really killer LA-based singer-songwriter. She plays guitar. She reminds me of Chrissy Hine. She's so cool. And she's an LA-based American singer-songwriter, who has planted her musical roots in a unique, eclectic blend of alt-country, modern, rhythm and blues and rock music. She brings to her songs a woman's vulnerability and strength in the tradition of Patsy Cline and Madonna. As a singer-songwriter, her music captures the film noir, essence of Los Angeles, haunted past infused with the soul of the Memphis Stacks sound. Her songs compel and engage as they call to mind her musical kinship with Carole King and Ricky Lee Jones. Her voice is warm and she seduces the listener in a way reminiscent of Cheryl Crow and Liz Fair. She's currently celebrating the release of her latest single, Trouble, co written and produced by Grammy winning bassist Ted Russell Camp, which came out February 7th. Her full album, Torch and Trouble, comes out in May of 2020. That's a few months away, folks. Trouble premiered on Twangville and has received international airplay and additional press in the alternative route, American Songwriters Magazine, Daily Discovery, Ear Jelly, and Scope Magazine. You better strap up your seatbelts, because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution from the Music City with Emily Zusick. welcome emily to the dharmic evolution thank you you're a rocker girl
2: (laughs) some days more than
0: others
1: (laughs) i love your style of music i mean as soon as i heard you i said that's in the wheelhouse of chrissy hines and so many other like traditionally great rock and rollers um just love the style and the sound that you have thank you and love that you play electric guitar too it's like, I
2: do from time to time. Yeah, I mean, my, my go to is acoustic, just because right. as much as there are rockers, there are very, uh, there are very emotional ballads. Yeah. Uh, but what I have found over the years is that lots of people can write songwriter folk and and or upbeat ditties and whatnot, but not everybody does it. With a, a hard rocking component, so right. I feel like I'm lucky in that I can kind of wear the both of those hats.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you're a good baker too. I've noticed on the video. Sometimes, yes. once
2: again, <laughs> I rely heavily on the internet for recipes. Yeah. Uh, I, I when I'm lazy, I'll just buy a box of something. But right, most of the time, I try to find something interesting to sub out. Like, oh, can we make brownies without sugar? Or can we make something else without you know? gluten and dairy and you know, just try to try things. It's like experimentation. Yeah. It's the same way I approach like making clothes, we're making songs. Or shooting photos i just i just love playing so.
1: so you're not one that when you when you cook for instance you don't have everything all written down and you sit just sit there and study like the exact recipe you kind of study
2: and i'm not i'm yeah. not a cookbook kind of person yeah um i will look up recipes because i don't always know what the heck i'm doing yeah. but i also if I have a base recipe, sometimes I'll sub in like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. Let's try this brownie recipe, but let's add a little cayenne and maybe we'll add a little sea salt to the top. Just cuz I know what flavors I like with certain things. And so that gives it a, an element of play and experimentation which keeps it interesting for me.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, I don't like to do too much things by the book. It's all feel and like, you know, like making pasta sauce. It's kind of like everyone is right. different, you know, and it's like,
2: like, I got my canned tomatoes. Yeah. My- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to saute some garlic. I'm going to yeah. throw in some fresh basil, you know, that's fun. Yeah. And that's I don't
1: different. do all the spices until, till towards the end. Cause I got to like, you know, like a, a total alchemist, I got to be like, I got to measure it by taste, you know, and like how much little yeah. bit of wine at the end, you know, so your yep. yeah, songwriting yep. can be like that too, which is very cool. And let's, which brings me to the new record is now Torch in Trouble, is that correct?
2: Yes, it's coming out in May. It's
1: a cool title, love it. So, okay. yeah, um,
2: yeah, it seemed to, I, I, I wrote it um, and organized it with a really deliberate quality that I don't normally do as yeah. an exercise in practicing discipline, which is another thing I haven't done for most of my life. <laughs> um, and it seemed to encapsulate both Elements of how you might interpret that title. You know, obviously, right. there's a song called Trouble, but there's this idea of like torch it, burn it all down. Yeah. And then there's also the element of like torch singing, which is a very emotional, emotive, usually um, less poppy sort of direction. And there's bits of both of those ideas in it. So.
1: Right i think we should uh give everybody a little taste here and how about we start with alone let's check this out oh alone isn't
2: on that album by the way i gave you a sampler because i'm only playing uh trouble from the new record until it comes out just because there's a lot of lead time and right you know but if you want to get a a sampling of what i do which runs the gamut of genre okay like, alone's a good place to start to give him something totally different.
1: Then let's do alone. Here we go with Emily.
0: I was looking out the window. Checking to see if I heard your car drive by Now my heart keeps on crushing I can't hear myself, I tell myself to try Just try Streets are darker The dogs are barking The freeway's lit like streams of light Streams The light by the moon
1: that was really, really cool. Um, so the band is, um, I've seen your videos and I've seen like how cool, you know, what's going on with the videos and everything. Do you have like a regular band? Do you have a couple of different people that you work with when you do the live thing or how does that? I like
2: to say I have a deep bench.
1: You have a deep bench. (laughs) (laughs) little
2: basketball reference there, but yeah, it, you know, it's hard. The longer you're in the game, if, if you're not at a level which is like a funded national, you know, right. touring, even for strings of touring, I've always had different players. Yeah. Um, when I've done more touring, say, across the country or out of the country, I had people in those local markets who I developed relationships with, and they were my band there. Um, I My main cities that I play in are New York, San Francisco, and Los Angeles these days, with Austin a, a tight fourth. Um and in all those cities I have individual players. Sometimes they're players from the same cities. If like we're all down at South by, I might grab people from who I've played with in other cities. But yeah. it's good to have people not only for the ease of geography, but also um Oh, geez, I was just going to say something. I hate it when this happens. I'm totally blanking. Hey, how did uh, how did your
1: New York gig go? You were there like only last week. Great. Yeah, was oh, it? Oh, my
2: gosh. It was yeah. so much fun. I mean, there were a lot of elements that made it really great. One, it was just great to be back there. I haven't played in New York. Well, I guess I played there last summer, but it was a different experience. It was like an acoustic duo show. Yeah. So this was a late night rock and roll show, which I love those kind of shows. Yeah. And um and then it was also part of this big month-long anniversary series that, that Rockwood Music Hall was doing where they invited back the artists who kind of helped to build the room and the club's reputation. And I was one of those people. <laughs> I lived like two blocks away in these Village. Oh, was, really? Like, my home base. <laughs> and um, so it was great to be back there and see a lot of people who I just don't see unless I'm in New York. They're yeah. like, Ken Rockwood, the guy who opened the place. I see him all the time when I'm there, but I haven't seen him probably – I don't know that I saw him in July, so it might have been a few years since I'd seen him, and then seeing all the people who've remained in the East Village, um, and maybe, you know, I also had this great experience where the guy, the artist performing before me is a guy named James Maddock, who has been around for a long time, and he and I were both in a cover band for a while in New York together, so it was great to have that experience, to play right after James, and like, for us to share a couple band members, and and have them in the audience and and chit chat after and um and it was my birthday (laughs) that's right you told me that yeah friends who were still in new york we had a big get together and hang to chit chat for a while and then we all ran over to the show and then they were all there as well and
1: so you you played on your birthday what's that did you play on your birthday yes wow that that's very, very cool so
2: that was really fun and, so, Emily,
1: are you uh, was, from New York? It was
2: a New great York? experience, and it felt really special to be back in the room and have the show go so well. The band played really great. and I'd never really played with these three guys before, but I've known them all for many, many years. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just, just thinking about it makes me smile, which is nice.
1: Are your roots from New York? Did you? Did, is that where you were born and raised, or are you from the no, West Coast? I was
2: born and raised outside of Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. And, but I moved... I went to school in upstate New York in Syracuse, and then I moved down to New York City right after I graduated college. Right. Lived there for about a year and a half, and then I moved to San Francisco for four and a half, five years. And then at the end of 2001, I moved back to New York, and I was there for 10 years. Okay. So it's amazing to me that I'm coming up on 10 years in LA, because New York has always been like the city I've lived the longest in. Yeah. In different periods of time, but as a cumulative method, like of me independently as an adult, New York has always been the the grounding, longest lived, and now I think LA is going to eclipse it, which is crazy to me. But yeah, it is.
1: How do you? How did you do the? How did you feel with the transition? I mean, there's something about New York that's so. I don't know. It's kind of indescribable unless you spend a lot of time there. You know. Right, um I know what you was, mean. Was it a big transition? Um, like for to go me,
2: through? solo. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a great town. I mean, I love it even when I go back with my family. But I yeah. can't imagine, like, in particular, the kid part of it. Yeah. Existing in Manhattan. I mean, we were at the point before we left, my husband and I, where we were like should we move upstate to like Woodstock should I want to go to Jersey or Connecticut (laughs) (laughs) and living in, we were already in Brooklyn. So it just, it kind of felt like there's a lot of money being spent to exist here. We wanted to try to buy something that was kind of out of our range in New York and, um, and we were weighing all the options, but we also had other considerations. Like he grew up out here and his whole family's here. And I had lived in San Francisco for five years, and so I knew California State and had always loved it. It was always sort of like my second independent adult home. Yeah. And uh, we just decided, given our careers at the time, that it was like New York, LA, and maybe it was time to leave New York.
1: Yeah. So and there you have it. (laughs) And all of
2: my friends who ended up with kids, for the most part, like left as well. There's very few friends I have that are in Manhattan or Brooklyn who have kids. Now,
1: yeah, you know? it's it's tough. I think it's tough with the kids and and some people just stay there forever, you know. I mean, I would have yeah. a hard time with that. You Whoa, mentioned you, LA is yeah. like the
2: story of that. Yeah. There are so many people who were born here and have never left. They are here like 50, 60 odd years. Like I don't even know how you do that cuz I've lived in I don't even know how many cities. Right. But and it's hard to start up and start over each time. But yeah. I can't imagine staying in one place my whole life.
1: It's complicated. To to move is tough. I just moved down to just outside of Nashville, uh, in August. But I've been coming here for about six years, you know, working in, in mm-hmm. doing projects on Music Row. So it felt like I, I kind of felt like there was a little bit of a home going on already, you know. So right. it didn't feel bad. I have a
2: lot of friends from New York and from LA and Nashville now.
1: Yeah, That's everybody's up. coming to Nashville. That's crazy.
2: It's cheaper than LA. Yeah.
1: Oh, I know.
2: Not as cheap as Memphis, no, nah, not nah. As cheap as Detroit. Yeah,
1: but,
2: you know, <laughs> it's it's how like the artists work. They're like, okay, where's the next cool node of you know place where I'm going to connect with a community easily? and yeah. still afford to live there, right? And right. even Nashville's starting to get out priced. Yeah, in the last you know? four years, it's, it's been
1: going nuts. Yeah. Hey, let's do another one. This one is called Winter in California. Winter in California. Tell yeah. us what it's like. Now you from New York must have some kind of a. I mean, I, I love it. With you know, you're talking about the fire on the beach, and we're, we're we're all warm and everything is cool. But do you have any sense of every time Christmas comes around and you're on the West Coast, of you know? The feeling of well, snow for in the. Well, i not always on the west coast. Oh, okay, is, okay. You, know, you
2: have to like split up which grandparents are going to get to see the grandkids. Oh,
1: okay, right.
2: But no, we and we also try to get up to Big Bear or Lake Arrowhead, which is an hour, hour and a half, two hours from where we live in East LA. Right. Um, to just to get snow. My daughter loves snow. She wishes there was more of it, but then other times she complains. You know, it's seven and a half. So what? What's she gonna do? It changes from minute to minute. How many children do you have? Just one. Okay, I'm good. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. She's great, and I'm good. (laughs) Um, But you know, I do miss it, and and we've been having a really long winter this year in LA. Not that it's... really. Always cold, but we haven't had to. We, we've had one or two bits where it's gone up to the 80s, but we've been consistently like 70 60 to 70 highs and lows of high 40s to 50s since November. Yeah, and that's amazing for <laughs> me because I appreciate the cooler weather, I get to wear my fall clothes, you know. And yeah. when you're on the east side, summer gets really hot and lasts a long time. And I've learned I'm not really a hot person. Yeah. So that's that's tricky. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: um, that's, how I, that's how I try to get my winter in California fix. Yeah. Um, or the des- the high desert's nice in the wintertime too. You can get those really chilly nights and uh, days that hit maybe a high of 65 to 70. I mean, my parents have been telling me they've been having a mild winter in western Pennsylvania, and they're having the same temperatures that we're having, so...
1: It's been very strange. It's The whole country's whacked out because... uh, down here in in Nashville, it, it's it was, it was cold like um, a couple of weeks ago, I've two seen three how weeks much ago. Snow
2: you guys have had it was it's ridiculous. Crazy.
1: And it's like I I called up you know family in New Jersey and I said, you guys got warmer temperatures up there. What did I move here for? I came here to get away from all You're that.
2: landlocked now you don't have that like <laughs> I, I warmth know. of the waterways. Yeah, where in New Jersey are you from?
1: Uh, Morris County, which is about you know for, for less than an hour from from Manhattan. So you know oh, the, I know Morris County. Yeah, geographic. Geographically, it was great because you could be you could be anywhere. You could be in the mountains. You could be in the Hudson Valley and anywhere in like less than I two know. hours. You know? That's like so. one
2: in from uh, Bergen, right? Uh, about,
1: about two. it's sort of is the central, like the middle of the state. But Near, In Morristown, right. Yeah, right. Morristown. Yeah. yeah I,
2: so. I lived a summer out in Hunterdon County. Oh, so uh, okay. Like one yeah. more closer to Pennsylvania. It's yeah. Like my relatives are all out there.
1: Yeah, I was ready. I mean, you know, my kids are older and everything, so it was like, you know, I was ready for uh, for a change, you know. So this was the perfect place because I said, okay, well, I can always jump in the car and be on the west coast of Florida in like ten hours, and it's an easy drive, and you know, I could. And if you
2: drive east which you hit virginia
0: beach
1: yeah i could yeah. go i've done the trip um several times back to jersey because i like driving for two reasons one is i don't have to worry about canceled flights i can bring a guitar yeah. and notebooks and i can come and go and just do whatever and i can think and right mm-hmm. on the road and i kind of like I that I it's just put in
2: cross-country drives are so nice for yeah, that reason i've it's... done it like five or six times from the east to the west coast and yeah you can get into this meditative space especially when you're down in like the southwest through parts of arizona and utah and... yeah
1: and the roads and are it's... great you know there's no there's yeah. no super highways you're going through the shenandoah valley and the blue ridge mountains yeah. how can you beat that you know it's so so it's gorgeous true. so um so I, I don't know, I'm still, you know, I'm still settling in and everything, but for, for the purposes of music and the business of music, it's it's the perfect place, you know, so. But. Yeah,
2: I really like Nashville. I wish I could get a, a bit more paid work drumming up there because I go back, I've been back twice now for Americana Fest in right. September. Uh-huh. I'll probably go back again this year because I have a record now that I'm promoting. You know, the last couple years I've just been going and trying to build, let people know what I'm doing so that when I do I've been working on this record clearly for a few years. So right. it's, it's the long game, you yeah.
1: know? And it's I gotten, it's gotten very competitive, you know, as far yeah. as gigs are sapped up like that, you know? And so a lot mm-hmm. of people play for free everywhere and anywhere. So, um, yeah. um, but, but it's still, a, it's such a sought after place. It has such a, seal of approval like you know people from that come to this show i had somebody from spain on today actually the canary Islands. she was wonderful and um you know they hear like nashville and it's sort of like wow you're in nashville it's like it's like a big deal for like for for like everybody you know so um so it is so it is good to have in the resume and and building relationships are certainly you know a wonderful thing to happen you know Mm -hmm. so um, but this record, let's let's get another one on because I want people to hear uh, this music because it is so fabulous. Uh, you want to set this one up? How did you get so good? Well, how did you get so good, Emily?
2: How did you get so good? If you can believe it, that song—I gotta look. I actually have a copy of that record here. So that came out in 2011. So you know that's like a nine-year-old track. But that record that it was on, which is the Wild Joys of Living by right. the Emily's Music Band, was released and recorded in New York City. And that was another disciplined effort. Uh, it was my attempt to, like, I want to make a band record yeah. where I can take these songs and bring them to the stage and they don't feel like they're missing parts. Whereas yeah. most of the other stuff I'd done up to that point had a lot of, like, studio production. And I love that, you know. Yeah. You throw me in a studio and I could I could be in there for years because I can, like, counter melody and let's get some harmonies and let's bring in an organ, you know. But it's really hard to make that... A, a live show sound like that. Yeah. And I was trying to do that with this record. But how to get so good had two backstories. One, a lot of the songs off of The Wild Joys of Living were written around the time that I met my husband. So there were a lot of these like love songs that were positive versus love songs that were breakup songs,
1: which right. is
2: kind of standard. Um, and the other thing was, is at the time in New York, I was running this event called What's in a Name? And it was a songwriter meetup where I had a list of songwriters who wanted to participate. Someone from outside the community would give us a word and then I'd send it out to all the songwriters and we would get together a month later in a room that i book and we'd play all the songs that were inspired by that song. And, um, the song... How'd You Get So Good was inspired by the word change, which I believe was given to me by sort of a, a stalwart of the indie music scene named Pete Harris. He used to run a newsletter called Indie Sounds Now or Indie Sounds NY, I believe. And um, he gave me the word and it was around the time Obama was running. So I think hope and change were words that were floating around in the ether. and. Uh, that's what came out of it didn't have to be the chorus it just he had to use the word and it had to be integrated in some way and so like, change is coming around put away my frown because life is so bad to me lately and you know that sums it up right there it's like you know things are changing things feel really good and uh obviously it hasn't always been that way and it's kind of nice to kind of come out of that funk and be like yeah things are pretty good now that's yeah. great So that's the background on that
1: one. Let's take a listen. So Really, really good track. Um, let's talk about collaboration. And you, you just said about the live band sound, and this record seems to encapsulate that. When I was um, when I was listening to the tracks uh, this morning, I said, "Wow, this sounds like it was just it was done straight live, like right off the stage." It has that energy and that presence. All the instrumentation, everything, just the the energy level alone. Uh, Mm kind of just screams of that, you know, which I really so appreciate. And um, that's hard to do for some people. Some people can't get that together, you know?
2: Well, the other benefit of Torch and Trouble, which comes out in May, is that a lot of the songs had been around for like 10 years. Yeah. So you know them. You know how to play them. And a lot of times, even the band that's in the studio with you has played them live with you several times. So there's there's, uh, there's a comfort and an ability to, to play a bit, with, but playing in a way that doesn't seem kind of like nervous. You know, there's something right. really fun about writing a song and then going into the studio the next day and cutting it. And there's energy in that too. Yeah. But sometimes it's, it feels a little wobbly, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if that's the end result you want, then that's great. But if you want a more polished thing, then it's helpful to really have the songs down and with Torch and Trouble, there, I know at least two of them have been around for over 10 years. And so, you know, I've played one of the songs in particular, I've played in every show that I've done almost because it's just, it became very quickly, um, a fan favorite Right. and it had been recorded before in like 2009. This the song I'm referring to is a song called magic. Okay. And I had done a recording of it on an EP in 2009 and it's cute, but it's it's not where I ever really felt the song was lived naturally. Yeah. So it took me a while playing it a long time and knowing what I wanted to do with it in the studio and really working with the producer saying, This is what I want, you know? And I think that comes with just knowing your material, knowing what works and what doesn't work. It's helpful that I had a whole other version of it that it, tried a different direction. I was like, no, I don't want that. You know? Yeah. Um, And there, besides those older songs, there's, um, the the other songs on the record, there's a real feel for what I wanted to do with all of them. You know, I kind of was like, I spent two, two and a half years making this record. So weeding down what was going to be done versus just like throwing in kitchen sink, you know, in previous years, like, you're like, well, I need one more song. And I'm not 100% on but just put it there. Yeah, I I was very pleased with the selection of songs, and how much we worked together, like Ted Russell camp, who plays bass on um, Trouble, which you have, as well as the record Torch and Trouble, also produced the record. And he's a great musician and has a real musicality as a producer. And it works out that we're also neighbors and good friends, and we work on a lot of projects together. But we also have the kind of relationship and comfort with one another that we can get into it and like be like, no, I, I think what you're suggesting is not going to work. Or it might work in the way you're seeing it, but that's not how I see it. Like, there's an equal pushback. Yeah. And in previous producer situations, there was definitely not that confidence on my part. So I made decisions... Or was influenced to go different ways that maybe in the end i'd be like yeah that probably wasn't the right way you know
1: was ted involved in helping you with the selection of the rest of the band were they or the, you know like Sometimes, how did that work yes. okay
2: like we i'm trying to think um he had made some suggestions and some of them and it also just came to me who would you like to play on it yeah and so i had the people that I had been playing with, and we kind of worked it out, and we picked out. There were two full band sessions at this recording studio we did the live basics on. And there were different bands other than um, Ted and I in both instances. So you get a little different feel on this and you can kind of tell. Like I, The ones that were rockier were the one set of musicians and the ones that were a little moodier and country and softer and dreamier. That was another group of musicians. Right. And, you know, I'm always like, best man for the job does the job. You know, it doesn't have to be the same band to get, like, super consistent feel. It was so consistent enough because these guys all play together in different bands and in their own projects. So there is that element of comfort and knowing one another.
1: Yeah. Um, And and also there's... um. There's, I think, there's something about the artists too that the musicians sort of gravitate to, especially if they, if they know that you trust them, it's mm-hmm. kind of, um, it kind of opens the door to their encyclopedia of chops, if you will, right. you know. But they have to be. Invited in and and that only can come from you and I can tell like you're high energy and you're because I know you're 17 minutes now And and I can tell you're like, but you seem to have a trusting soul when it comes to all right This is the right person and you know, you've opened the door to say
2: Well, what's let me see what you got (laughs) what you're talking about right now is that a lot of the guys I worked with are I shouldn't say jobbers but they're like guys who tour with bigger acts, right? And when you get at that level, there's a lot of expectation to perform to what the artist wants, yeah. Um, and not veer outside of it. Or if you're lucky, working for an artist who's like, "You're really good at this. I want you to go there and do what you're good at, not yeah. so much like rein it in, make it about me, you know?" Because it's all tricky, right? But um, I feel the same way. If I'm bringing you on to a project, it's because i am already familiar with what you do and I like something about it. And yeah. I found this in the studio with one of the guitarists I work with. He was sort of like, well, what do you think of this? I was like, look, look, man, you're, what you do and the tone you go for, I'm all about it. And I want you to do your thing. Like, yeah. I'm not an accountant. I could fiddle with trying to do my taxes and probably mess them up. Or I could say, you know what? You're really good at that. Why don't you do those taxes? Or in this case, why don't you play that solo the way it's most soulful to you? Yeah. And we'll, we'll get an awesome take out of it.
1: Right. Right. You're not going to go out there and, and start fiddling with his amp and say, put a chorus yeah. on here. And it's it's not me. Like, I know, you know some people do. <laughs> no, I know. I know the, the, the crazy mongers do that. But you know, if, if a guy who is that good at what he does, like you said, he knows his job. Let him do his job. Yeah, Get the hell exactly. out of the way. <laughs> Let's do another one here. And this is the one, this one is called Trouble. <laughs>
0: Gets away in the wind. Across your face and at place again. Can't get it off my mind. Coming closer, what am I to find? Don't feed me that line. Your game's as good as mine. It's never gonna be straight up, you know. Gotta something's gotta change. Give. someone's got a chance
1: with trouble on that one good good song emily thank that you that was awesome um this one again and now i wanted to ask you are all of these recorded like in the la area or was it new york and la was a combination or was no it, was... all
2: of the basics uh basic band tracks were done at station house studios in echo park neighborhood of los angeles oh, okay and then okay. we did overdubs between, I guess we did all the overdubs at Ted's studio, The Den, which is also in LA. So that, right. this, this album will all be, have, will have all been done in LA.
1: Right. Exciting. Um, as far as playing out live, um, what are your aspirations for like the rest of the year? What do you think is, is going to be happening? Um, I'm in a little
2: you? bit of a, a hibernation for okay. the next couple of months because right. I wanted to you know, I have a couple big things to deal with. Uh, taxes always stress me out. And right. so I knew I needed to like spend some time dealing with that. Right. And there's a spring break trip that my family was planning. So I knew I'd be gone for that for a week. Yeah. And I wanted to take a bunch of time to promote the CD release party, which is going to be on May 17th at the Federal Bar in North Hollywood as part of this series called the Mimosa Music Series. Uh, curated by music supervisor and 885 DJ Gary Calamar. And it's sort of a well known music sync networking hang. It's at brunch o'clock, which is really fun too, because that means more people can come out. You yeah. know, if you have, you know, folks with kids, they can come out because they can eat brunch. Yeah. And it's not, it does doesn't limit who can come see you play or you know people have teenagers who are going to see all ages show but they can't necessarily see anything that's in a 21 or over venue
1: can i ask you Uh, about that for a minute because i've long felt that there needs to be a push to do um, shows at a more reasonable. It, 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 it's it's we, we've stereotyped it into it has to be drinking and it has to be after ten o'clock at night and and those things have their place, but I mean right. as far as celebrating the gift of music and the receiving of music, um, I wish there were more shows like that. In Europe, they do that a lot. They say no, no, we go out at like one in the afternoon and we do a show. We right. see a show, you know, we, we enjoy it. And then we have the whole rest of the day and the night, but we celebrate. Yeah. and I it does it makes sense too, because yeah. frankly,
2: I don't have the energy to do all the late night shows. Yeah. To perform in them or to go to see them. Yeah. Um, you find a lot of people, especially uh, with older music. I can't even say with older musicians, because I feel like some of the kids in LA are doing this too, where they're finding alternative venues. Yeah. Like factory parties, like house concerts, like right. uh, the whole... Situation with like Silver Lake Sounds or um, what's that big one that where they do pop up concerts in
1: everywhere spaces, yeah. And
2: you have to email to get the location. So far, sounds
1: what's so, it called? so far, sounds
2: thank you. Your concerts everywhere, yeah. I think there is a real move to do that because the other thing that's happening is that there's a huge, you know, non drinking movement that's been afoot, yeah. beyond the like underage, it's right. just it's this new thing, like the new sobriety. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to be around it. They don't want to be around the behavior sometimes that comes with too much drinking. They just like, I'd rather not. And in a place like New York, you're more forced into going to see things in traditional venues because most people don't have the space to provide to do those sorts of things. But when you get into places like LA or Austin or you know, Phoenix, yeah, like a lot London of these other too. mid-sized cities, people yeah. have the space right. and they want to incorporate people who love music, but maybe don't want to go to a bar.
1: Yeah, no, There's it's true. There's a lot of
2: series I've played out here where they're in maybe a pub with an outdoor component, but they have a full menu and like half, half the people that come to see the show are over 60. Yeah, And, but they are people who really love music too, and they'll go out and they'll support you, but they're not going to ever come to a bar.
1: Right. Right. And I think so, that I, I think, think that it's is cool
2: that people are doing that because I'm more inclined to go checks out something like that, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like like you don't have to mix the two all the time, you know. I mean, I, I would rather do it just for the sake of the music, to tell you the truth. Um, as we're as we're wrapping up here, and this went really quick, but I promised I'd, I'd get you out to your next appointment on time. Thank you so much. Um, anything you'd like to shout out, Emily, um, to the seventy-one countries that listen to us, and wow. anything Hi,
0: everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're
1: even in Vietnam and Iceland, believe it or not. That's <laughs> so, awesome. actually, so the
2: producer of my record that, I don't know if I gave you any songs off of it, but a, quite a whiles back lives in Iceland with his family now
1: too It's a happening place to go I know, like, I've never I, been there I, really, I, I haven't either, everybody's going there I don't know what's up, but I gotta, I gotta figure it out <laughs> But what, um,
2: what can I shout out? Well, Yeah, just anything like,
1: as far as you're, you're thinking about just even even off the subject of music but certainly what you're doing with your career and just mm-hmm. anything you'd like to say to anybody tuning in aspiring musicians, anything at all
2: well, as far as things coming up, uh, I had mentioned that CD release party on the 17th and my new record will be coming out on May 15th worldwide. Um, there will probably be a second single before that, but since I don't know if we'll have a music video down, I'm going to be holding that one back a little bit.
0: Okay. <laughs> um,
2: I'm really hoping for positive things to happen this year. There's a lot of uncertainty going on that has nothing to do with music. I mean, there's always uncertainty in music, but there's like coronavirus, there's like the American presidential election. There's just stuff in the world that's frustrating and can induce anxiety and can make you go dark. And I am trying to put forward light and love and hope and i know that sounds sort of pollyanna but um
1: but it's from the heart
2: i I think it's possible (laughs) and i think there's a lot of other people who feel that way too and so hopefully we'll get a groundswell and some things will be turning around into a more positive direction in 2020.
1: excellent Emily Zuzik, thank you so much for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution. I love your music. I love what you're doing. You. I'm so happy for your uh, path that you're on and the music that you create and your voice too. I love your voice. So uh, oh,
0: thanks.
1: just want to um, wish all of God's blessings on you, your music and your family.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
1: Alone. Winter in California. How did you get so good? And trouble. We covered a lot of ground today, Emily and I, on the Torch in Trouble. Brownie recipes from Pittsburgh to Syracuse, the Big Apple, San Francisco, New York, L.A. (laughs) We even talked about Woodstock, Big Bear, Lake Arrowhead, Silver Lake Sounds, house concerts, So Far Sounds, the new sobriety and the message of hope. And not to forget Torch and Trouble coming out soon. I hope you guys really dug this episode of the Dharmic Evolution. And you can check out all of Emily's links, her website, all of her socials are in the show notes embedded there. Just click on and there you go over to Emily and check out what she's doing. If you have not yet gone to the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page, you've got to get over there, post your content, post anything about your life. If you're an artist, singer, songwriter, author, speaker, thought leader, that's what the site is there for. Pick up a lot of response from around the world and support from people who love artistry. Also scroll down the dharmicevolution.com website and see who's on there that you know. There's got to be an artist on there that you know. Out of the 267 artists that we have up there, you can check out their photos, their videos, their songs, their bios. All About Indie Artistry is on the Dharmic Evolution website. That's it for me today. It's a wrap. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from a stage.